Welcome to a Canberra Times Sport Podcast. Uh, I'm David Polkinghorne. With me is Eamon Tiernan. Good to be here, Polky. And uh, we're back. Another, I guess, a bit of a disappointing week in uh, Canberra sport this week. The two footy teams going down um, in probably less than impressive circumstances. Um, your Brumbies went down to the Yarch Nemesis, the Waratahs, while the Canberra Raiders were labelled soft for their loss uh, to Manly, leaving them 0-4. Uh, maybe kick off with the, the Raiders. Um, they got uh, towed up by the, the Sea Eagles, a turbocharged Sea Eagles, uh, 32-16. Uh, was all set up with a, a pretty poor first half where they were... I think they were down um, 26-6 at half time um, and then they went on to lose their fourth game of the season. It's their worst start uh, since 1997 um, and uh, wasn't wasn't a very good good effort at all. Um, they Their forwards were well beaten by the Manly boys um, the, who found holes on the edges, holes in the middle. Uh, basically uh, scored four tries in about 12 minutes to uh, put the game out of reach. And, um, yeah. Mate, I was out at the uh, Brumbies game working it and uh, checked the Raiders' score and saw they scored the first try. I thought, oh, how good. The Raiders finally getting it together. And then I uh, checked the score again at half-time and uh, they were well and truly behind. It was always going to be a tough ask given the week Manly had had. Uh, Find $750,000 for a salary cap rort going up there to Brookvale on the back of three close losses. It was going to be a tough task, but gee, Bulldogs this Thursday night, they lose there. What is the worst start since the, what, inaugural season? Since 1982 was the last time they lost the first five games of the season. Um, they lost the first seven games of their existence that year, so uh, a little way to go there, but... Um, I think it was the, the Trebojevic brothers who set the win up. Um, Jake and Tom sort of taking it in turns to, to set tries up, score tries themselves. And uh, I guess there was a only concern around those two was uh, Tom came off with a, an ankle injury that probably had a few Blues supporters a bit, a bit worried about um, his origin hopes after he, he basically showed his uh, credentials. That's fine by me, but uh, speaking of origin, you spoke to Queensland's coach, Kevin Walters. He seems to think the Raiders can turn things around. Do you? Um, well, it's, it's hard to know whether they'll beat the Bulldogs or not. Um, the, the Raiders' form on the, on the weekend uh, wasn't, wasn't very good. Um, they, uh, the, the Bulldogs, uh, I guess, Put in a, a had a bit of fight against the the Rabbitohs. Um, their start of the season hasn't exactly been great either, though. Um, so I don't know. I don't know who's going to win that game. Um, it's Dean Pay, former Ricky's old old assistant coach, coming up against um, Ricky for the first time. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, yeah, I guess that probably not many Raiders fans have too much hope I guess after after the weekend it was a performance Ricky labelled as soft I mean it's a bit of a tough question to spring on your pulp but uh, nobody outside Raiders HQ has spent um, more time following the team than you in the past 18 months, 2 years, how do they go from a prelim to what 10th place last year to 
possibly their worst start ever since the inaugural season in the space of what feels like 18 months. How has this happened? Yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to picture how. Only 12 months ago, everyone was talking them up as premiership contenders off the back of that 2016. Um, they they did have a bit of bad luck at the start of last season that sort of took, I guess, the wind out of their sails. And um, since then, probably, while some of their players have, have managed to stay at the same level they had in 2016, Jordan Rapana's one that, that sort of springs to mind. Uh, Nick Kotrick has obviously, um, I'd, I'd say, strengthened the other the other wing from where they were in 2016. Junior Pye. Um, Junior Paulo is probably currently, I'd say he's probably gone backwards a little bit. Um, Shannon Boyd's, uh, he, until the weekend, you'd probably say he might have been looking towards getting back to his best, but I guess on the weekend was um, probably a bit quiet, um, along with the entire forward pack almost. I think Junior Paulo was the only one to get over 100 metres from, from memory. Um, that's against a manly pack where their two starting front rowers ran for more than 300 metres between them. So, right. um, Josh Papali might have got 100 metres as well. I'm, I'm not 100% yeah, sure. I think it that. was Josh and Junior um, that got over 100. Um, but they had they had errors across the board, um, dropping balls, ill discipline, um, knock-ons at really bad moments when they finally got the ball back off of Manly sort of thing. They're the first thing, almost, you know, the first hit up, they'd, they'd turn the ball back over and put themselves back on the foot. Um, I think basically the, the problem is that defensively they've been exposed. Um, some of their players have dropped off, I, I guess, over the last 18 months. And then finally, um, things that were sticking and working for them in 2016, they're they're now not able to do that for, for whatever reason, um, you know, individual errors and, and all that sort of thing. Is there any hope for the Green Machine faithful? <laughs> is, there, is there any positive news on the horizon? Well, uh, I, I guess Thursday night will, will tell you. If, if, if they lose on Thursday night, then probably not, not much hope. But, but if they win, well, anything's possible. Um, Kevin Walters sort of felt they were the sort of side that once they do get a win, they're the, they're the sort of team that can string a few together. Um, from memory, I think it's Bulldogs, Parramatta, and then the Rabbits are their next three games. So they're all... Winnable. All winnable, and they're all losable, I guess, um, the, the way they're travelling. Um, so they could be 0-7, they could be 3-4. and 4. Ricky's very protective of his players, has always been everywhere he's gone. He finally kind of, uh, I guess, snapped on the weekend and labelled them soft and said they should be embarrassed to wear the green jumper. Is that going to sting the players and we're going to see a reaction from from the Ricky Wrath, I guess? Well, it has it has in the past. I, I think um, someone pointed out uh, that in 2016, I think he blasted them after a loss to Cronulla, potentially it was. And then that sort of kick-started their campaign. Um, I guess if you're a... Well, there's two ways you can go, isn't it? If you're getting labelled soft, you either throw in the tower completely or um, I would have thought as a, a 
big tough rugby league player you'd, you'd be a bit stunned by that and um, it's one of the I guess the most offensive things you could probably get called by or get labelled by your coach um, in, in a game where hardness is oh, I guess the, the, the benchmark so you would hope that they do respond um, and uh, I guess we haven't got long to find out Thursday night not a, not a long turnaround for them no, so I think it yeah, was that spray that sparked the 10 in a row in 2016, wasn't it? Went on that 10-game run. Hopefully, gee, if they do that, uh, they'll be singing Ricky's, <laughs> Ricky's praises instead of calling for his head. But uh, Yes, the, uh, the bang has started, hasn't it, With the, amongst some of the faithful, um, everything calling for everything from sack the coach to sack the entire team and start again. Um, I guess, interestingly... I think about half the side that played against Manly are off contract at the end of the year, including Aiden Caesar, um, and you could throw in in with that Blake Austin as well. He he's not he wasn't in that team, but Junior Paulo, Shannon Boyd, Sia Soliola, um, Luke Bateman, uh, Saliba Havili, oh, and that uh, Josh Papali. Um, if I haven't mentioned him already, Junior Paulo. Um, so there, I guess there is the, the chance potentially that there could be big changes afoot or if those players all start to click into gear again they could be re-signed and they could uh, be back It'll be interesting to see if uh, Ricky doesn't turn this around where he goes we are looking at his numbers earlier he opened his coaching career I think with uh, well obviously the Roosters Premiership but uh, three straight grand final appearances in the 10 seasons that have followed, he's only made finals twice. Um, he had a losing record at Cronulla, a losing record at Parramatta where he was trying to rebuild, and now uh, he has a losing record in Canberra. So, uh, I tell you what, he'd want to turn things around if he wants to get another contract extension or go to another club. Well, I think his um, last extension is he till 2020 I think he signed on potentially. yeah he's got another two seasons after this one yeah so um, I mean it's hard to say uh, the Raiders have only ever sacked one coach um, Dave Ferner the, the last coach actually and it's obviously something they don't they don't like to do Ricky's obviously a, a legend of the club a favourite son um, and, and he's locked in for a few more years so um, yeah it'd be interesting to see how they go, but you know, as as Kevy Walters has backed him and said, if they can turn get one win, potentially they can get a few more. Um, then we might not need to worry about it. I hope so. <laughs> and um, well, I guess potentially that rebuild, it's going to be a, a I guess probably a long, uh, a long. A long rebuild if they do. I know there's there's rumours that um, both the halves, Caesar and Austin, um, are, are unhappy, I guess, and, and one out. I think Aiden Caesar potentially uh, wants to return to Sydney um, to be closer to family and, and that sort of thing. Uh, they're the, they're the rumours. Um, he's been linked with Canterbury for, it seems like, months now. Um, Austin's been linked with a move to the, to the Rabbits. Um, and uh, Robbie Farrow linked with a, a move back the other way. Um, the, the Raiders have kiboshed all those suggestions. Do you think uh, Blake Austin, I think, dropped for the first time in his Raiders career last week, the what, 2016 Daily M58 of the year? 2015. 2015, my mistake. Um, 
after last weekend's performance, do you think he deserves to come back into the side? Ricky kind of suggested he wasn't going to make any changes, give them all a chance to redeem themselves. But uh, where do you think Blake Austin sits this weekend? Yeah, I, I watched the Mounties game. He um, he scored a try. He played a, a role in... Um, I'll get his name wrong. I think it's Mossadrecki, I think, is the, the winger's name for, for the Mounties. He played a role in both of his tries, um, but I, I guess on the negative, he, he had a couple of drop balls. Um, uh, I guess the, there was a line break down, down his edge as well. Um, whether he did it enough um, to, to force his way back in, I'm not sure, but then I guess the, the players in front of him probably um, helped his cause a little bit by, by similar mistakes to themselves. So, um, yeah, it, it sounded like Ricky wanted and laid down the challenge anyway for that 17 to run back out there again and um, I guess uh, redeem themselves um, who exactly they could could bring in um, is, is another thing. Well, if he does come into that halves or back in, who do you think comes out? Um, potentially, I think, I think it would be unfair to to flick Hingano after just one one game. I guess a, an option is to get rid of the three halves experiment and, and bring Garvey onto the benches as, as a half, and then potentially you could go back to the Caesar Caesar Austin setup, or um, even you could bring Hingano in alongside Caesar uh, in the halves role. Um, by all reports, Hingano's had a, a fairly good start for, for Mounties playing in the halves, so that could be an option going forward. Whether Ricky's sort of comfortable with that, I'm, I'm not sure. And then you're, you're pinning your hopes on the uh, lad who's played 16 NRL games, I think it is. All will be revealed at Canberra Stadium on Thursday night. Yes, um, the Brumbies. Wow, five seems to be the magic number. Obviously, the Raiders <laughs> looking to avoid five in a row. And the Brumbies are looking to avoid five losses against Australian teams for the first time in club history, or well, Super Rugby club history, going back to 1996. Um, they've dropped three games this season to the Reds, the Rebels, and most recently the New South Wales Waratahs on the weekend. Um, they lost their last game against Australian opposition at the end of last season against the Reds. If they lose um, this weekend... People make five in a row and almost certainly dash their finals hopes. The reigning Australian Conference champions will be two games adrift with, uh, I think, only four conference games left. Maybe even three after this weekend. No, I think it is three. So, it'll be, gee, it'll be hard work to come back from there. But um, it was a bit of a pretty ugly game um, last week against the Waratahs. A lot of... A lot of stoppages, a lot of penalties, a lot of, you know, tit for tat. It uh, Sounds like an NRL game. Mm, well, there wasn't quite 30 penalties, but <laughs> uh, there were a lot. And it, it basically boiled down to uh, two minutes either side of half time. Um, Henry Spate let, uh, basically after the siren, let up on uh, the Waratah's 123-kilogram winger, whose name I can't pronounce, but... Uh, Navarro? Navarro, but his first name's even more difficult. Anyway, he's, he gave... Um, Mr. Navarro. That's right. He gave uh, Mr. Spate the old two-foot slip and, and crossed at half-time, after the half-time start, to give the Waratahs a lead into the sheds. And then two minutes after the break, the same man scored again. 
Battle of the Waratahs only two tries and uh, it basically proved the difference in the end. The, War the Brumbies went down 24-17. They had a chance at the death to uh, steal a draw but uh, once again their rolling mall five metres from the line collapsed. Referee judged it to be a fair collapse and that was the end of a uh, pretty dismal game really. But uh, yes, it was the, the Brumbies are going to need to find a way against the Reds this week. Uh, Henry Spade pretty filthy on himself um, on Saturday and I think he's going to bounce back in a big way uh, Christian Leleofano copped a bit of a knock uh, I was not sure whether it's head or shoulder but um, he came off after about 55 minutes uh, if, if he can't pull up this week Sam Carter has been sidelined for two weeks obviously the other co-captain David Pocock returned on Saturday night and slipped into that leadership role um, so he'll take the captaincy reins but they're could be just a bit of a, you know, a leadership back in there if, if Karts and, and Christian are both out. Um, Pocock's more than capable, but uh, gee, they, they need to turn it around against the Reds. What what do you reckon, Polk? Can they do it? Well, I mean, I, I watched the, the first time they, they played the Reds and it seemed like a game where they actually lost the game themselves rather than they were beaten by a, a better team. Um, so you'd have to think that then they every chance to, to knock the Reds off. I guess the Reds probably have uh, been a bit of a, a surprise packet maybe this, this year. Um, they're a young side. Um, I guess they can go either two ways. They can ride the wave of confidence or uh, potentially fall in, in a bit of a hole if, if things get a bit too much. So obviously the Brumbies would need to get off to a, a good start. Well, is Carter... He was close to playing the Tars though, wasn't he? Yeah, he was expected to play against the Tars, but... Um, he didn't, part, whatever the tests are, they run for the yep. concussion. He didn't basically get through with flying colours, so didn't get the medical clearance. And they're a bit strange, those um, those concussion kind of injuries. I remember Barry Barnes a few years ago was was out for a long time um, just with the lingering concussion. So it's hard to say if, if he'll be back for sure or not. But, um, gee, they wouldn't they wouldn't mind his presence at the, uh, the set-piece big cards against the Reds. The Reds have been vastly improved at set-piece time under Brad Thorne this season, and their defence has been second to none, basically. Um, they've just been grinding out these really tough wins without a lot of their, uh, you know, superstars. George Smith hasn't played a game all season for the Reds. Carmichael Hunt hasn't played a game all season. Quade Cooper hasn't played a game all season. And probably won't. And probably won't. Uh, two of those boys uh, were in trouble with the law earlier this year. But uh, that's, uh, it's, it's remarkable what Brad Thorne's done with a, basically a bunch of no-name players. And uh, if the, Br the Brumbies are going to need to really fire their attack this Saturday if they want to break down that Reds' defence because it's looked rock-solid this year. And I don't know. I'd be I think it's going to be another pretty probably dour affair <laughs> with lots of penalties being traded. The last time they played up in Brisbane, the, the Reds won... 18 to 10, I believe, and that was six penalties to two tries. Mm. So, either way, hopefully the Brumbies can turn things around and get their season back on track. But it was a pretty impressive return from uh, David Pocock. I don't know if you've seen the highlights, Pop, but uh, after almost two years out, he, he made his presence known pretty quickly. Oh, nice. Uh, I guess the, oh, I've watched the highlights, uh, and he sort of featured right at the end asking the referee about the uh, collapsed mall was uh, basically the, 
the highlights I saw of Pocock's return. Um, he he's obviously a, a massive player in in Australian in Australian rugby. How's he sort of slotted back in? That obviously one game potentially can come back a bit rusty. That sort of thing. How, how did he sort of look? Well, he went up against uh, Michael Hooper, obviously the uh, Wallabies captain and. Uh, Incumbent number seven, those two have shared that Wallabies number seven jersey for the past decade. Um, they had a really good battle. Pocock, um, he honestly looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Uh, he, over the ball, the breakdown, he got some crucial steals. Uh, he actually bumped Hooper with his first uh, carry of the match. Um, but Hooper on the other end was was no slouch himself. And I think how they'll, he'll no doubt Pocock will walk back into Michael Checker's Wallabies outfit for the June Test Series against Ireland. I think it'll probably be in a number eight capacity with Hooper hanging on to that uh, open side spot. What'll be interesting though is when Brumby's um, number eight, Izzy Nazarani, becomes Wallabies eligible next March ahead of the World Cup. What happens to the back three then? Because um, you can't seem, you can't leave Pocock out of a back row. You can't drop the Australian captain, but Nazarani's as good as any. It's whether he can come into, I guess, a blindside role, but uh, either way, Pocock has returned like he never left, and uh, you can expect him to start every game for the Brumbies for the rest of the season, and I would say every game for the Wallabies for the rest of his contract until the end of the 2019 World Cup. So Nazarani played, I mean, has he played five? Five games. Five Super Rugby games? Or? No, he played all last season for Western Force. So um, his second season mm. of Super Rugby and uh, talking about whether he might dislodge Pocock from uh, the, the Wallabies team. Mate, he's the real deal. Watch him play. He's unbelievable. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I saw him score. I think he scored a try up uh, on the sunny coast, didn't he? Um, in the, the mm. trial, pre-season trial. Uh, he's a fairly quick fella for, for how, how big he is as well. Um, Number six, can you play number six or? Uh, Probably. I mean, I think people get caught up a bit too much in this six, seven, eight, all have such defined roles. Personally, I'd uh, I'd play him at six, even, especially with two scavengers there and then two ball runners, Hooper and Nazarani. Pocock can be the prime scavenger, if you will. But uh, I think he could certainly slot in to that number six role. Whether they go down, whether they choose not to go down that path, wouldn't surprise me. These uh, mm. rugby tragics. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hooper's not really a scavenger, I guess, in a, the the sense that uh, Poe is. But uh, good to hear that the Pooper combination will be hopefully back in action against the Irish. Um, anything else to add around the Brumbies at all? Um, don't think so. I think uh, basically. They need to bounce back to save their season and avoid missing finals for the first time in five years. Right. Bat number five once again. Um, I guess maybe just quickly looking at touching on the, the cricket fallout, which is uh, I guess still still ongoing with potential appeals now and that sort of thing and asking for variations on the, the punishment. But uh, since you guys, are, I listened to you guys chatting about the, the saga last week, the ball tampering saga that, if you believe some people, is the, the worst thing to ever happen in the history of world sport and probably should have resulted in the lynching of at least three Australian cricketers. Um, 
And if you listen to other people well, it's just something that happens all the time and we've just blown it completely out of proportion. Uh, the three guys, um, Cricket Australia opted almost for the first option. They've banned Steve Smith and David Warner for a year, Cameron Bancroft for nine months. What are your thoughts on the punishment? Uh, well, when you mention those other people, I think you'd be referring to anyone that knows anything about cricket, other than the Cricket Australia board, which apparently some of them do not. I would also just like it on the record after uh, Blocker Dutton controversially awarded my little debate with Carmacky Laws last week. Several podcast listeners <laughs> have got more than one have since awarded the fight to yours truly. I think. Uh, Mackie Laws, once the, the Monaghan curve came to full swing at the end of last week, accepted he might have gone over the top. He'll never verbalise that, but I think he knows <laughs> deep down. Um, gee, what a one year. How ridiculous. I mean, it's just the most over-the-top knee-jerk reaction I've ever seen, considering the, the same offence usually tables a one test ban according well, to not even or not even maybe just your match fee according to the ICC depending uh, how lenient they're feeling that day but um, I'd be very surprised if this if this sticks I'd be surprised if um, it's not lowered in some capacity whether the trio are allowed to play shield cricket or whether even the sanctions are, are halved I mean 12 months I'd be I think David Warner will no doubt contest his. Bancroft, uh, it's hard to say. He already has. I think there's talk that he's already... There is talk. But we'll have got until Wednesday to sign, uh, to accept their bans or to appeal. Um, I'd be surprised if Smith did because, as we saw in his presser, he's he's taken full responsibility, actual responsibility, not David Warner responsibility. And um, he basically wants to wear it, cop it, come back, a stronger player. He seems to have got the public's sympathy, and I think if he comes back and says, "Oh, I caught full responsibility for this, but I'm going to challenge it," it's not going to—it's not going to be the greatest look. And it seems looks are all that matters at the moment. It's all about perception and and how the the public feels on any given day. So I don't know. How do you see it playing out, Paul? Well, uh, I'm I'm still waiting for the South African Cricket Board to. Um uh, I'm not sure the correct word posthumously is the one I'm, I'm thinking of but obviously Faf Duplessis is still alive so it's probably not <laughs> not overly appropriate but Faf Duplessis, two time ball tamperer didn't miss a game I, I'm assuming South, the South African Cricket Board are currently in discussions to put him out for two years just to even the ledger up um, given he's a two time uh, a repeat offender, probably the, the second punishment should be a bit harder, so maybe, I don't know, two and a half years is the, the ban that they'll obviously be coming out with uh, for, for FAF going forward, you think, five, just five to... Five minimum, I say, Paul. Well, now that uh, it's uh, clearly a, a far more heinous crime than the zero games he's missed so far. Due to it, uh, I guess Bancroft, you, you mentioned before, um, potential, Caden Helmers, our, our colleague, uh, wrote a yarn saying there's the potential... His test return could be at Manuka Oval, the historic first test at the beautiful Manuka Oval. Well, if there's any way this actually happens, um, the shield bans need to be lifted because he's not going to serve his nine months and walk straight back into a, his baggy green spot. Um, he'll need to be playing shield cricket from the start of the season, which I think is November. Um, the test is expected to happen in Canberra in January. 
Uh, late, late January. Late so January. So he'll have a good solid two months of shield green. I think he will start the shield season. I think these bands will be lowered. However, he would have to average about 80, and the Australia would have to lose, not just lose, but get smashed in the first four tests against India <laughs> for any chance of Bancroft to be winding up at Monaco Oval. Well, I guess that a nine-month ban would bring him back, sort of, it'd be the... Um Big Bash window then as well, wouldn't it? So if he was to come off the ban sort of at the start of January, um, that would mean, uh, yeah, he'd have to impress pretty well in the Big Bash. Um, I don't know, does he even play Big Bash? Um, it's a, well, even if he does, it's a month. And they're not going to pick a test opener on Big Bash form. <laughs> well, stranger things have happened. Um, Anyway, the, the Com Games start this week. It sort of snuck up, mm. um, snuck up on us. So a few weeks ago, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's a month month to go, and now it's just around the corner. Bizarrely, the opening ceremony is on a on a Wednesday. I, I don't really understand what that's all about. Uh, but anyway, um, oh, I guess we've got quite a few medal hopes floating around from the ACT. We do indeed, Polky. Uh, lots of um, athletics action, I suppose. Leading the charge, what well, were the most likely to collect a gold would be Cameron, Com- Cameron Crombie. He's uh, competing in the para shot put. He's um, the reigning world and national champion, so he will take some beating. But um, Jaden Sawyer, who was a in Rio for Javelin, has put down the Javelin to pick up the shot put, and he will compete up against Cameron. They train together in a, a good match, so that'll be a nice little battle. But the, there's a few uh, runners in there you've been keeping an eye on, I believe. Yeah, so Evan O'Hanlon, um, he's a pretty good shot for the, the 100 metre gold medal uh, in the, uh, the Paralympic. Um, I think he runs in the T38. T38, there you go. Um, uh, cerebral palsy category. Um, he'd be a, a pretty good, pretty good shot at that 100 meter. You'd think. I think his main challenger is a, a Chinese bloke from from memory. So Who pipped him in Rio, un- upset him in Rio. Yeah. So obviously the the Chinese are, uh, aren't part of the uh, the British Empire, the crumbling British Empire. Uh, Lauren Wells has had back to back fourths at Commonwealth Games, so she's knocking on the door of a, a podium. I think Mel Breen, I heard her say the other day, her main focus is the 4x100 relay. So uh, they're, I think, in medal contention as well. And Kelsey Lee Roberts, our javelin thrower, um, threw a, th- a personal best the other day and has launched herself uh, back into medal contention. Um, I think it was Catherine Mitchell, I think, um, uh, the veteran javelin, Australian javelin thrower who was, uh, I guess, is. Um, enjoying a, a late a late summer and uh, um, and potentially was one of the favourites for the gold medals and now Kelsey Lee Roberts probably has thrown herself back into contention as well. Plenty happening on the track and uh, I'll be up there watching the track events supporting Patrick Tannen in the ten thousand metres. But uh, going to the skateboarding as well. Skateboarding is not till Tokyo Olympics. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Are you suggesting the ten thousand meters is as absurd as skateboarding in the? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was just uh, interested in what, what events uh, you were going to. But another um, big Canberra hope would be Edwina Bone in the uh, in the hockey. The um, Cook no the hockey ruse. So I'm thinking of Andrew Charter in the Cookaburras. 
The uh, the Hockey Roos enter second, fa- no third favorite behind England and uh, New Zealand. Well, that's in the world rankings, but um, they certainly uh, seem to step up at home. I think they won gold in Melbourne two thousand six Con Games. Um, but yeah, they should be a pretty good shot. And Andrew Charter obviously was dropped what no less than two months ago. Yep, it's forced his way back into the Kookaburras. Yes, it was the the wake up call. He said. Um, he, he potentially needed he, he didn't agree with the decision at the time uh, and let the selectors know uh, but has forced his way back into the team and, and the Kookaburras I think are, are fairly overwhelming favourites for that, that gold medal um, Ben Treffers in the pool will be defending his uh, gold medal from Glasgow um, Shani Williams well you'd imagine um, they'll be uh, well, hopefully smashing the Kiwis in the in the final of the, the women's sevens. Rio Olympics all over again. Well, that's that's uh, the way it's planned to go anyway. Um, well, I guess uh, a, a lot of the Kiwis uh, live in, in Queensland, so potentially it's a, sort of like a home home games for them as well. Um, Jesse Wagstaff, potential with the, the Boomers there? He's been picked in the Boomers Com Games squad. The Boomers are... Red hot favourites, dollar forty favourites. In fact, to win the uh, gold at the Con Games, um, it's all about gambling with you, isn't it? Oh, just you know, it's just something to set your watch to. They should uh, do do it pretty comfortably, I'd say. We don't uh, don't have Paddy Mills down here. He's um, busy with the San Antonio Spurs. But I can't um, believe that the NBA doesn't like going to take like a month off, sort of Super Rugby style. Just so everyone, all the elite athletes can come down for the common game. Can you imagine um, Paddy going up to Popovich, <laughs> the Spurs legendary coach, and saying, mate, can I go play in the common games? I think he'd say, the what? <laughs> sure you can. Take a couple of extra weeks off and um, do a bit of sightseeing while you're down there. Uh, the bike as well, we've got plenty of hopes on, on the bike. Um, Beck Wyzak will be trying to force her way into the team pursuit, uh, who are a red hot chance of a gold medal. Uh, Gracie Elvin would be a, she'd be a bit of a, a, a podium hope, if not a gold medal hope as well in the, the women's road race. Nathan Hart in the men's team sprint would also be a gold medal crack. Uh, the two McConnells, Rebecca and Dan, Canberra's married mountain bikers, uh, both won bronze in Glasgow, so they're obviously in big contention for, for podiums there and uh, uh, the evergreen Matthew Heyman uh, won the 2006 gold medal um, in the men's road race he's he's in the team uh, whether he'll be the, the main man or not I'm, I'm not 100% sure but um, hopefully that could be a, a lovely way to sort of uh, I guess cap off uh, the towards the back end of his career. He's doing well to still be in the saddle 12 months, 12 years after his first gold. Fair dinkum. Well, cycling um, is a, a, a sport where, the, I guess, up until a point, the older you get, the, the better you can get as well. So um, that, that'd be our main, main hopes, I think. Hopefully we haven't missed anyone. Apologies uh, if we have. Um, local sports sort of kicking off. Um, around Canberra we've had the Capital Football's uh, Premier Leagues uh, have kicked off uh, the week before Easter they had a bit of a break the Neeful Canberra Demons started their season with a, a loss to the Southport Sharks while we've got the Union and the League kicking off this weekend Royals and the Blues looking to defend titles there in their respective codes 
And we've just had the ACT Clay Court International 1 and 2. That's back-to-back Clay Court tournaments in Canberra complete. Um, Jamie Fawless just won the uh, number two on Sunday. She beat Ellen Perez, her training partner and friend in straight sets. And they're about to travel Europe together for three months. So plenty of bragging rights there. And then the first one, this US $60,000 one, Delilah Jopokovic of Slovenia won that one. And apologies to her for Eamon's <laughs> pronunciation. Um, he struggles with uh, Anglo-Saxon names, so no doubt he's butchered that completely. Um, I guess maybe wrapping it up uh, with the, the Demons, they're starting their season uh, in the Neeful. The, the first two games at Queanbeyan, the first two home games at Queanbeyan, um, before being allowed to play at Marnica Oval. And then I think in July... They'll then switch to playing all their home games out at Footy Park in Phillip. Uh, I guess it, it sort of points the way to Monica being a bit of a... I guess it's losing losing touch with the, the local side of sport uh, and becoming almost a, an elite-only venue um, and potentially dormant for, for most of the year. And what are they doing that to accommodate the Giants or what? Um, well, I think... Around this time of year, they transition the grass, uh, yada, yada, yada. We had a, a Giants game a, a few years ago, which uh, sort of got labelled Sandgate because of the, the appearance of the field. A few of the players came off uh, a little cut up, um, probably a bit more cut up than the uh, the Australian cricket ball was uh, after being rubbed with the, the sandpaper there, given the umpires didn't actually change that ball. Um, so, yeah, I guess... it. Then leads, there's a, a month period or something around this time where they're not allowed to play on the oval. Um, and, and I guess going forward, it, it seems that potentially uh, uh, the, the Demons will be based out at, out at uh, Phillip. Um, local cricket potentially hasn't really been using uh, Monica Oval too much either. Um, with that moving away, it, uh, even with a, a test match, it, it brings it down to something like 11 or 12 days of the year where Monica Oval will actually be used going forward, which uh, obviously isn't very many. Crikey. And they've got a uh, full-time um, curating team for 11 days of sport. Mm. Well, you think they could put it to better use? Uh, well, hopefully hopefully something gets sorted out. Um, still waiting on a, a rebuild down there as well to, to bring it up into the, the 20th century too with some of the facilities like uh, hot showers and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that can get sorted out because um, it's a, a bit of a waste of a, a, of a lovely oval. Bloody oath, Pop. Well, that's probably bored you for, for long enough. Um, we better get back to the office and do some work. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, feel free to pester us on email, uh, social media, where all the outrage is these days. And uh, we'll be back hopefully next week. Adios.